Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, everybody. Welcome to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Mr. Tate, how are you getting along this morning? Good morning. So far, so good? I hope so. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> That's unfortunate for you. Got a, a busy uh, list of guests coming up, five or six guests in the next couple of hours. Leading off is Cassie Arner, Associate Athletic Director at the University of Illinois. Good morning, Cassie. Hey, good morning, guys. She's fired up with her I Illinois am. shirt on and uh, maximum capacity coming up in football and basketball. And just some words you were, you were waiting to hear and we finally heard them. We were absolutely, this This was the moment we were hoping for. And, you know, we were excited about 60% because that meant a lot of fans in the stands and the, the energy that our student athletes need to compete at a high level. But 100%, I mean, we, we're back now. And this is so exciting. Um, and we really believe we can get 100% capacity in that stadium this year. And, and we're going to need it because Coach Bielma is doing his, his job on, on his end where he's recruiting hard training hard we've got you know 21 what we're calling super seniors uh that are back because they believe in this program and they want to be a part of of something really really special and um how amazing would it be to fill memorial stadium so we can all feel that last time it was full was the north carolina game in 2016 the night game this game will be at noon a little bit of a different challenge in the last uh, week or the last couple of days of august yeah, I mean, we've got the unique distinction this year right. of probably being the very first game that will be played. Certainly there are a few games that game times haven't been announced for yet, but we're the only Power 5 versus Power 5 game on the schedule in, in what we call Week 0. Um, we're, we're in Week 0 because we were slated to go to Ireland, um, but we're getting to keep that game at home, which I think our fans really are excited that to have seven full very strong home games this season in Memorial Stadium. And, you know, I hope uh, a large majority of our fans fall in the bucket of distance makes the heart grow fonder. Like they've they've been sitting on the edge of their seat hoping to get back, and now they've got the opportunity to do so. Uh, does uh, a noon start help from a travel standpoint, places like Springfield, Chicago, and, and uh, outlying? I mean, drive in the morning and, and uh, get home early at night. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I certainly think it's not it's not a bad one. You know, eleven o'clock is is, is uh, gives you one hour that's different from an eleven o'clock game start, starting at noon. You can still come down from Chicago. You don't have to wake up at the the break of dawn to get down from our, you know, our alums in the Chicago area. A large majority of our fans do traditionally come from a sixty mile radius, which is very easy to get to. And yeah, you can you can come in, enjoy the day, and. And, and still get home at night if, if that's what you want to do. What's the early hit on, in terms of uh, people signing up for tickets? Do you get any feel for that? Yeah, well, we had, you know, in the season ticket um, period, we had 80, 87% renewal, which is the best we'd had since 2015 and um, second highest in, in this decade. So I think people definitely have a lot of excitement. And even yesterday in some of the sales, while we launched single-game ticket sales, we had more season ticket sales as well. So I think people still are 
you know, really excited about committing to the whole season or, or finding a couple games that they know fit into their family schedule and, and coming on down or over or up to Champaign. As you uh, get into this, what, what about Nebraska coming? What do you expect from them? How many attended from Nebraska the last time they played here? Do you know? You know, I don't have numbers, but they, they traditionally travel very, very well. And that's going to be a challenge to our fans to offset that, you know, to make sure that they're swiping up the tickets now and making sure that, that it is not red in our stadium, that it's a sea of orange. It's We, we paint that, that place orange and, and get Illinois people out there. Visiting with Cassie Arner. She's here till about 9.15. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. If you have any questions regarding uh, football, the upcoming football season, of course, all along you had to be, as far as your planning purposes, you had to be planning for 100%, and then you you deal with whatever comes up. But uh, I, can't, I can only imagine how much fun it is to, uh, after what everybody went through last season, that was just a weird feeling all the way through football and basketball season. It's got to be really exciting to to look ahead to this you're right I mean we we never stopped planning even last year when we were right up until the moment we we learned what our limitations or restrictions might be we were planning because we were hoping for the best but you know we've been talking about Grange Grove and getting bands back out there and inflatables for kids and planning a line I walk since January and you know we've been talking about um, you know how we're going to sell tickets and how we're going to get people back and our theme days. I had a meeting with ROTC about military appreciation game already, and those guys are fired up about you know making sure we represent their their game well against Rutgers. So we we never stopped planning ways that our fans will enjoy this football season. Uh, I noticed an awful lot of construction going on over there. How's that <laughs> impacting uh, uh, parking? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So you know, in lot forty-two, we've got the construction zone for baseball for the baseball center. Um, some people parked at the Ubbin parking lot, but that was more of our staff in there. Um, a little bit out at softball, but I, I don't see it hindering us to the point where people won't still be able to enjoy many of their tailgating traditions. Yeah, I, I did uh, bump into a guy that has season tickets, yes, he, mm-hmm. and he's a contributor. And he said he got moved from a parking because of, of the construction. And that, that's why I brought it up. That's got to affect some people. It will affect some people. You know, it's not certainly not as drastic as having to shut the entire space down. There still is a significant portion of, of Lot 42 there on the corner of Kirby and uh, 4th Street that people will be able to tailgate in. So I think, I think we'll still be able to make um, a majority of our fans happy with uh, parking options. Tell us about uh, your plans for Grange Grove. Yeah, I mean, we, we're excited. Grange Grove has really grown. You know, I, I credit uh, the people that started it and had that, that vision. And um, I think we're probably going into year eight of it um, being in existence. And, you know, we're excited about bringing former football players and other uh, varsity I letter winners from other sports back. You know, it, it have them come back and, and visit with fans at our autograph tent. Um, we will have Rod Sickler bringing bands back to uh, Grange Grove and, and every area. The tailgating is is open again. People, fans can come out on Friday night and set up their tailgating in, in Grange Grove. Um, I, I, it will be hopping and, and certainly have all the same uh, features and amenities as it has, and we will look to add some more. We haven't been, uh, Lauren and I haven't been, uh, nor have any other reporters really been around campus much lately, and, and we look forward to getting that going again. So, to find out what the energy is like over in the football building, we ask people like you. Tell us. Yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing. You walk in there, and 
I don't know how to describe feeling the energy. It's it's almost like it's electric when you walk in. Coaches are walking down the halls. You know, they're talking. It, it's a it's an amazing camaraderie in that building, and because they're all working toward one goal, and they have this intense desire to be great and to be great as fast as they can. That's that's just the it's the coaching way. But Coach Bielma really infuses that into everybody, his coaching staff, us, and anyone who has any involvement in the program. I think um, hopefully fans, you know, you're following in the recruiting, which I certainly can't talk about any individuals by name, but you've seen, you know, the reports coming out of last weekend. 16 visitors last weekend. And he said that yesterday. And it was rave reviews, you know, and, and a lot of that had to do with, I think, the energy level of the coaches, their, um, you know, their belief in what they're doing and their amazing ability to sell that to student athletes and really show them what they're going to be a part of. We have a personal meeting with Whitman mm-hmm. this coming Wednesday. Yep. And um, it was, I was required to show my vaccination card, which is fine. But I'm, I'm does that carry over into uh, attendance? Does that carry over into, the uh, you know, people attending the games? Can anybody attend or do you have to prove that you've been vaccinated? Yeah, no, everyone can attend. I think um, – the vaccination card proof of show that's going to be a little bit as you deal with maybe student athletes individually, because we still, you know, there still are, if people aren't vaccinated, there's still contact tracing and those things. And we certainly want to keep our student athletes and our coaches safe and healthy and have the ability to do all the things they need to do, go to practice, be able to compete in games and things like that. I have a question on our text line. Will tickets be all electronic? They won't be all electronic, but we are certainly moving in that direction. And I think um, the, the industry is moving in that direction. And anyone who has had you know, experience downloading their tickets into their mobile wallet and, and doing the mobile delivery, uh, I, we hope that they're finding that to be a lot uh, more convenient for them. Uh, once you kind of figure out the technology, then you're all, you're all in. Uh, transferring tickets is easier. The, 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 the nimble and flexibility that we have and being able to move people's seats and to do things last minute. Mobile ticketing really gives gives us a lot of flexibility there. What about cash at conv- at uh, concessions? As you far as it? I know, it still will be allowed. Okay. Um, and again, certainly everywhere we're boosting technology and, and innovation so that we can do that less. Um, but as far as I know, it will not be exclusively cashless. Wh- what about uh, purchase of uh, liquor at the games? You will still be able to do that, Lauren. I mean, there's no limit. To, <laughs> no, in the press box, I, I don't. We don't have that. No, I don't need you, it. In the press. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> crazy enough without that. But I, I just uh, the reason I brought it up, I saw where there's a projection, and it may not be accurate, that while Iowa made roughly two hundred fifty thousand dollars last year, or, or I guess it was last year. I'm not, I'm not sure. Where, was it the year before? Two or, years, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, they're projecting a million. Oh. They, they think they're going to leave three, four times as much this coming year with wine and different things that they're going to sell. But I, I didn't know what the limitations were as far as Illinois is concerned. Are we on the same boat as, as Iowa? I'm not sure if we had put together any projections, but we, we don't plan on changing um, the way that we did do beer and liquor sales in the stadium from 2019, which was uh, we had beer in the um, in the main stands available and we had um, other premium options available in our premium seating so you know that's one of the perks of being able to of, of being in premium seating is that you have a little bit more option and, and higher end options up there. another couple of minutes with cassie arner with that game 
August 28th. The students are just back on campus. They right? are. That'll be their first week of school, which I, I can't think of a better way to kind of celebrate this return to everybody being in person. Um, you know, we've got to indoctrinate two classes, the freshmen, right. you know, this, the incoming class of 21 and the incoming class of 2020 that, that weren't able to experience this in their first year on campus. So, you know, hopefully that translates into very, a, a lot of excitement to get back. But, you know, one great thing about the first week of school for students is they're not uh, fully involved in all their activities yet. Uh, and, and this could be a really, really good way to just celebrate being back on campus. We, we hope to see a very, very full north end zone of, of students. I guess we won't know until we get closer as far as is there any reluctance Mm-hmm. of fans to come out to a situation like this. I guess we'll know as we get closer to that day, then you'll know by the the way the tickets are b- being sold, right? Well, it certainly is the best indicator. You know, right. I think people's hesitancy changes often. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's hesitancy today may be very different in, in a month or two months from now based on, you know, what they see in the Champaign-Urbana area in terms of safety and health or where they what they see in their own hometown. Um, but... All we're seeing right now is just, you know, continued vaccinations and mm-hmm. continued uh, confidence in the way businesses and, and people are, are handling uh, their own safety. People are taking a lot of personal responsibility. You know, they if they don't feel comfortable, they'll still wear masks. And um, so I, I think, you know, what we feel today may be very different July 31st or August 1st. Right. FightingIlini.com for tickets. Yes, please. one 866 one if you'd like to call or FightingIlini.com. Yeah. Anything else, Cassie? Well, I'm going to challenge the Illinois family to fill this place up. We will not be content until we are announcing a sellout for the home opener against Nebraska. Get these tickets for the Nebraska fans. Get them. Get them. Yes. They are they are fired up over there. They are, you know, and and we. You see what they're doing? They're they're even building a new facility for 150. What, 150 million? 150 million, yeah. I mean, right in the middle of the pa- coming right out of the pandemic, they're 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 going into that. Looks like we might have a call here, Cassie. Okay. So stand by here. We'll try to get uh, Carl in for you. Hey, Carl, go ahead. Hey, Cassie, you were talking about the energy of the staff. Uh, yep. How does the energy of the staff? C- Compared to Zook, to Zook staff. <laughs> well, I, I, I told uh, Lauren and Steve off the air, it's reminiscent of it. It You know, I uh, obviously was very close to that staff and, and saw them. And, and I think it's a good thing to be able to say it's a lot like the Zook staff. And uh, maybe maybe even better. It's different. You know, I mean, the, uh, the ways that you're recruiting now are very different from back then, but what is the same and what I think is, is going to make uh, Coach Bielma very successful and has made him successful is relationships. He has got, um, he's got a great way of relating to the kids, to, to players right now. I think there's a lot of respect that he knows what he's doing and that he's had great success, um, but there's also a lot of excitement around uh, things like NIL, you know, we're, we're embracing that in this this new landscape that our student athletes will have the opportunity to take part in. Um, and, and Coach is just, you know, he's just a people person. You know, anyone who's who's met him, he, he cares about relationships. And I think that means a lot, not only to the kids, but to the parents that are coming in and entrusting uh, the next four years of their children's lives into our coaching staff's hands. Hey, Carl, okay, thanks thank for the call. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, appreciate Carl. it. Bye.
Cassie, thank you for your time. Good to see you. We'll, we'll do it again here throughout the summer. Absolutely. I'm here. That's Cassie Arner. It's 917. We need to take a break. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk will be right back after this. Welcome back to the program. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 19 minutes after 9 o'clock. We're headed towards 11. Thanks to uh, Cassie Arner for spending a uh, a few minutes with us talking about uh, the 100% capacity coming up at Memorial Stadium and, of course, a little bit later on at State Farm Center as well. Going to talk uh, some uh, basketball recruiting news with Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times. Good morning, Kedrick. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you on this lovely Saturday morning? Good. Are you excited for uh, 100% capacity in football and basketball? I really am. It's kind of different, you know, because we, for about a year and a half, we've just seen everything that's been different and mask and, you know, being vaccinated and everything. And it's, it's kind of different because we're going back to a normalcy, I guess. So it's kind of nice to, to see it, but it's different. Well, give us an update on what you think now of the coaching staff that's intact, that being uh, Chester Frazier and Jeff Alexander and, of course, uh, head coach Brad Underwood, the job they're doing on the recruiting trail since June 1st when everything opened back up again? Well, there's kind of a, a running joke with a lot of people because with three people, and, and there's no secret that Coach Underwood is trying to hire a third guy, but, I mean, you know, people, you know, it's kind of weird because they're doing such a tremendous job. You know, the rumors, they may not need a third coach <laughs> because they're really getting it done. I mean, they are out recruiting really, really hard, and, What's unique about it, if you guys think about this, you have three guys currently on staff right now that are, it's their dream job. I mean, Brad Underwood made that statement the day he got hired. Uh, Jeff Alexander made that statement. You know, I've talked to you guys a number of times about Chester and his passion, even when he wasn't in Illinois. It's an easier sell when you really bleed it the way those guys do. And I'm going to tell you, they are really putting in work and they're recruiting great guys, just talent and guys that fit certain roles, it's, it's really unique. And the thing that I have to give credit to, I have to give Coach Underwood credit because a lot of people think and feel for some reason that he doesn't want to recruit, but he does. He really does. When you, when I talk to these kids and their families, he's as involved as anybody else. So I have to give kudos to him. He's just he's working as hard as the rest of the guys. You think they're close on anybody at this point, uh, Kedrick? Well, I, I mean, I guess close – you know, I guess if I had to say, you know, kids that they really, really and truly want, they had a kid in Jeremy Fears on campus uh, last week. He was a 23 kid, and, I mean, he came away in all. I mean, he was just him and his dad and his mother. They were just so impressed. He's a, one of the top 15 players in the country. He's a point guard, and, you know, it's probably going to come down between Illinois and Gonzaga. Um, it's a funny recruitment. I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with this, but um, – the father, Jimmy Fears, uh, his mother is married to Roger Powell Sr. And so Roger Powell, obviously, is coaching out of Gonzaga. So that's where the uh, the situation is going to come in between those two schools. But when you talk to dad, uh, they like to go to every game. They really want to be at every game, and they want to be able to see their son play. So at some point, I think it's going to come down between Illinois and them. Um, there's a guy named Jaden Epps. He's a six-one point guard. Um, out of Virginia, I can tell you he is a Brad Underwood and Chester Fraser uh, kind of guy. They really, really want this kid. Um, he's a four-star kid, and they've had a Zoom with him, and he's a kid that they really, really want 
Well, what's his name again? I didn't catch that, Kedrick. Jaden Epps. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, he's a a kid that they really, really want. Um, Uh, What do you hear on Trey Mitchell, the the transfer who's down to six schools and and looking, uh, you know, with Illinois maybe on the outside looking in, it looks like. Illinois is an outside looking in because he's visited Florida State and uh, he's visiting uh, Texas tomorrow, I believe. And if you guys remember, the thing he made it, he talked about was he wanted to get on campus early to be with his team. And, you know, some of the kids at Illinois, you know, they've already started to be, you know, they're already on campus. And, you know, I don't want to say it's a long shot, but it's, it's a long shot. And it's sad because he was a kid for months. That everybody in the country knew that Illinois was the leader for him. And now it's going to be a, a tough. It's just going to be a tough sale, basically, because he's visited those two schools, and and tomorrow there may be other ones. So, um, and it's again, it's too bad because he was a perfect four man, you know, perfect fit for Illinois. But I don't know if that's going to happen now or not. You think that uh, the the loss of Kofi was a, a factor in that that he wanted to play with Kofi? Uh, I think there was some there's some rumblings about. Him from a coaching standpoint, I mean, there's a close friend of his that wanted to be on staff, and he's, you know, I'm going to have to be careful how I say this, but he's not hiding the fact that he wants to be a coach on staff somewhere. And if you guys remember, I think one of you, I saw you on the Zoom where Coach Underwood made the comment that he's not going to hire a coach for Mm -hmm. a player. He's Mm -hmm. just not because he talked about having a guy that's going to fit what he's looking for. So, and, you know, his friend or you know the people in his camp you know they're kind of pushing for this but i have to give brad credit he's you know sticking to his guns with this so far back to the elephant in the room what are you hearing on the assistant coach hire has gone kind of quiet hasn't it yeah and, and there's a reason for that i believe um there was a time where like you know a, a few of us kind of knew what was going on but i think it, be- it became a bad look because some of it was rumors and some of the people that, um, uh, that I guess they thought Coach Underwood was pursuing, he really wasn't. And then it, it became a bad look because people thought, well, why don't you want to coach Illinois? You know, what's wrong with, with Illinois? And that wasn't the case. So by keeping it close to the best and keeping it to yourself, you eliminate those rumors. I mean, and, you know, you and I talked earlier in the week, you know, that we heard about a guy. You know, which I really like, but I don't want to say because it may be, it may not be the case. Um, I know he said he wanted to hire, have somebody on staff by the time all these kids became on campus. He is pursuing it, and he wants that perfect guy, and I, I have to, I have to trust that he's going to do that. I mean, if you look at his track record, everything he has done since he's been at Illinois, it's been, it's been done well. The recruiting, the the coaching, he reacts with the fan base, and I've heard a lot of people say from other schools. Other conferences, Brad Adler was one of the best interviews in the conference. I don't think he gets enough credit for that nationally. So I trust the guy. I think he's going to be fine. Of the, uh, you mentioned the guys getting back to campus, and that would include Omar Payne, the transfer, uh, who is probably on his way, and, and three freshmen. Of those three freshmen, if you had to make a prediction here in mid-June, who might uh, be the first one of those three freshmen maybe to make a regular appearance in the rotation coming up? If I had, to, if it was me, it was just me based on what I've seen, you know, and on video of these kids, and you know, I saw I saw one of them in person. I would have to say R.J. Melendez would be the first guy, and I'm gonna tell you another guy that I really like as well is I, I think Brandon Pajemski, um, only because 
uh, I know when he was being recruited, he the one thing that sold him on Illinois was how honest Brad Underwood was with him. He told me, Brad Underwood told me he, he was not going to promise that he was going to start. If he came in and did his job, he could be a backup at the two or three, you know, and now, this goes, you know, once, now that Adam Miller's gone, there may be a possibility of him being there. And But another kid that never gets credited is Lou Goody, which, you know, I've talked to a lot of people and they feel that he may be a good backup, you know, at the four positions because he's 6'7", and he's stronger than the other two kids. So, But to answer your question, I just think RJ just has that extra gear and that athleticism that's going to keep him on the floor. But then you got a kid that can shoot it like, you know, Brandon. How do you keep a kid like that off? You know, uh, we got a guy that started on the Illinois team uh, uh, late last season, and nobody ever talks about him. Name is Grandison, and I see where he's going to play for the Finnish Olympic team. Is that correct? And and if so, uh, he won't be here this summer, will he? No, and you know what, Lord, I'm glad to hear you say that because for some reason, it, he's so mature, it, it, it doesn't bother him. I remember his first press conference, I forget the game, he did really well, and he just basically told us, you know what, this isn't new to me. I know what I'm doing, and I know how to answer these questions. He's an older guy, and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He's a good shooter. He defends very, very well, and people do, and they forget about him. I, it's sad that they do. And another one that I've heard unbelievable things about is Austin Hutcherson. From a national standpoint, people are sleeping on this team, and I understand it because they lost a lot. But if you look at what they have coming in, if these kids pan out, and that's the key word, if they pan out, they're going to be okay, even Omar Payne. You know, Brad Underwood, if you listen to him, he'll tell you he smiles when he's talking because he knows that that kid has a lot of talent that's been untapped. So, And they develop their talent. So I think the, I think the country's sleeping on them because they have tons of guys that are 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, you know, they can all shoot it, and they can all defend. And Grannis is one of those guys. And we haven't talked about Demonte Williams because he's another kid. A lot of things to get excited about. Have you had a chance to uh, to talk to many coaches this summer since Chester and then uh, later Jeff Alexander being named as assistant coaches? I'm wondering what maybe the feedback is from the players and coaches that you might communicate with. Well, do you mean uh, the high school coaches? Yes. Is that what you're talking mm-hmm. about? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Like, I'll tell you, there's one kid named Cam Cohen um, who's out of Texas. He's a kid that you talk to him and his family, his coaches. I don't know how Illinois is going to lose this kid because this kid, I mean, he they love Chester. They like how passionate he is. And what's really weird is that a lot of coaches, just, they will constantly come in and they'll just sell you on their program. They'll all talk about what they can offer. But the difference with Chester so far, from my understanding, is that he talks family, he talks to coaches, he talks to counselors. This isn't just like a – I'm going to recruit this kid, and, and then I'm done. You know, he's a six nine, six ten kid. You know, and he's right now he's considered a three star. But I think some some recruiting services moved him up to a four. But I know that to answer your question, he has done a tremendous job. And the thing with Jeff Alexander is that people. Um, I talked to AJ Stores' mother um, on his unofficial visit, and she came away impressed with him. They met down there and on his visit and she said before she could even get home coach alexander had called her and talked to her and you know all the people and his coaches and stuff and they really really these coaches care and it's unique that's why i said to you earlier i think they're going to be fine I don't, i'm not really really worried about you know them building you know relationships with the people in the city 
people didn't think Chester could do it. Uh, Chester's proven he can recruit, you know, he can, excuse me, he can recruit, you know, anywhere in the country, but, you know, it remains to be seen what's going on in Chicago yet. But I have full faith that that guy can get it done. Kedrick Prince, Quad City Times, also recruiting coordinator for IlliniGuys.com. Appreciate your time, as always. Good to talk to you, and one of these days we'll see you again in person. Well, next Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be down there in Champaign. So hopefully I'll see you guys down there for that round table and then that football extravaganza on Thursday. So We'll see you then. Next week is, is coming up. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kedrick. It is 931 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 9.33 on the show. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Heading towards 11 o'clock with Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. We haven't talked baseball yet. We'll do that somewhere along the way. The Cubs beat the Cardinals yesterday 8-6. to The White Sox last night in 10 innings beat the Tigers 5-4. to More baseball talk up and coming. We're going to stick to basketball here for the next few minutes. Kyle Duvall is the head coach at St. Joseph Ogden High School, who had a player earlier this week, actually last week, receiving an offer from the University of Illinois, Ty Pence. We're going to talk about that situation with Kyle. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We're doing well. Tell us more about Ty Pence. I know he's still a young guy, but uh, quite a big deal, I think, when a local kid gets an offer from uh, the University of Illinois in any sport, and he got one uh, earlier in the month of June from the U of I. Tell us more about him. Uh, I mean, it's it's a huge deal for Ty. Um, we kind of knew that um, his recruiting process was going to pick up a little bit um, come June and July just because of how well he was playing with AU basketball, but um, never did we think it was going to be this big and this quick. Um, he's just he's a, a long, very long athletic guard that um, he he could play at the next level with with his uh, his ability to get a shot off and and shoot the basketball from deep, and, and he really plays above the rim. And um, he's just one of those athletes that, for our school, we don't see a lot. And you've got him for, what, a couple more years yet, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty amazing. It, you know, you look at him, and he, he does not look like a sophomore in high school, that's for sure. Can you see guys like that coming up through the, through the system, through the younger guys, you know, younger uh, times of playing? Um, you know, when he was, when he was in, uh, in middle school, we, we always knew he was going to be a bigger kid. And, you know, he, he always played the post because he was just, he was a bigger, a bigger kid, bigger athlete throughout, uh, throughout middle school, throughout grade school. And then, you know, he, he started to develop ball skills and, and you could tell as soon as he got here, he was not going to play the post for us. He, he was always a wing and, and could really shoot the basketball and handle the basketball and, um, it's it's really translated for him at the next level. Uh, this is Lauren. How does he mix baseball and basketball? You, AAU, when you talk about AAU, you're talking about summer basketball. That's what I think of it as, at least. And, and, and of course, obviously you play ba- baseball in the summer. Uh, can he mix the two, or is he trying to mix the two? Uh, he, does try, he does try to mix the two. It's been tough for him because he's – you know, his, our baseball team's really good. They're actually playing today, and he's playing today. Um, they're playing for the sectional championship. Um, but he's had to mix, you know, some weekend AU tournaments and, and kind of juggle that with baseball back and forth. And, and the good news is he's got a baseball coach that that's uh, pretty open to that and, and works with him and, 
and because he, he knows, I mean, his his next level goals and and where he wants to be. So um, it's tough. I can't imagine doing what he does. He's he's going from one side of the the country to the other side of the country. It, it's pretty crazy. I guess he's probably uh, mixing work on the baseball field too. He's a pitcher, right? I mean, and he, and he can hit. He I is. mean, <laughs> he is. He, uh, you know, when he came here, I kept hearing all these stories about actually baseball was his best sport. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's that's the case. Um, I mean, he is a really, really good baseball player, uh, but I think he's he's kind of taken off of basketball. And they they play uh, Paris today, I believe, at St. Joe. Uh, they do. Is that now? Do you know what his pitching rotation is? I mean, do you know uh, when 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 does he pitch next? He uh, right now he's more of a reliever. He comes out of the pen. Okay. Um, he some there's certain times where he closes out the game, or he he'll, he'll come in in the fifth or sixth inning and and kind of uh, lock down a hold or, or situational type stuff. He he's not really. I mean, he has started some games, but he's not a starter right now. Do you think he has a favorite sport at this point? Uh, I would, I would say basketball is his favorite, but I would say basketball and baseball together are, are pretty close. I mean, he is he's very, very good at both of them. Uh, he actually, he actually did uh, picked up golf in, in the fall, just because he he didn't have anything else going on, so he picked <laughs> up golf, and he's actually a pretty good golfer too. Yeah, Ken Brown told me that he's one of told me that as well he's one of those he's one of those kids he just you know whatever he does he, he succeeds at so well what do you think about his we mentioned he's a young guy he's got two more years of high school yet what do you think about his time frame as far as consideration of this offer from the university of illinois uh i'm not really i haven't talked to him about that i know he's he's kind of just taking it all in it was um all this stuff has probably been a little bit overwhelming. Good, it's a good thing that he is going through baseball right now because um, it kind of takes his mind off the other recruiting stuff, and and he doesn't have to worry about that yet. Uh, I'm not really sure a time frame. I think he's just going to kind of let everything play out and and see how he does through this month of July and then through the season and and kind of go from there. I, I don't think he has any clear cut favorites of where he wants to go yet. Um, I, I honestly believe we haven't seen the end of his recruitment. I think there's going to be some other schools that are going to pop up in July just by the way he was playing in, in the spring. It, you, could, you could see it was going to come. As a basketball coach and a basketball fan, uh, does his game remind you of anybody else? Is there a comparison out there that uh, you might think of when you watch him play? I'm not sure if there's a specific guy. Um, he's he's definitely a guy at the next level. You watch college basketball games, one of those knockdown shooters that, you know, your point guard drives, they kick it out to a guy, and you, you just feel like his shot's always going to go in. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys, I think, at the next level. And and the thing that I he is, he's been showing college coaches is that he has athleticism to play at the Division One level, especially big time. Division one level, just he, I mean, he can play above the rim. Um, he can really get up for for a kid at our at our level. Um, he's one of the best dunkers that I've ever seen. What have you got to go with him this coming season? The next two seasons, I mean, uh, how how good can St. Joe Ogden be? Well, we got some kids around him that I think can help, and we got some some young kids that I think that will be able to. Um, Really, so especially because you know it's like I told them 
this week is, is Ty's going to draw so much attention. You know, when he drives or, or he has the basketball, the whole defense is going to be focused on him. You know, there's going to be so many opportunities for them to step up and really hit big shots and big games. And, you know, the nice part is when, like I told them, when we walk on the floor, there's going to be most nights that we're going to have the best player on the floor. Um, so if we can if we can do all the little things and, and, you know, compete on the defensive end and get stops and, you know, got other guys can knock down big shots, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of fun. That also puts a bullseye on you too, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Whenever you got uh, one of one of those type of players, you uh, you're going to get everybody's best shot. Hey, Kyle. Appreciate your time. That's good information and uh, certainly exciting news for the St. Joseph uh, community. Thanks for taking time with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. Kyle Duvall, the head coach for basketball at uh, St. Joseph Ogden High School. I think of Rick Schmidt when I think of Illinois basketball in St. Joe. Somebody else? Beyond Flesner, yeah, yeah. and Busman. We had three guys yeah. from there when I first came to uh, to the News Gazette. Uh, we were getting players out of there. <laughs> That's a big deal, though, for a, a local guy that grew up within, you know, eight or ten miles of, of the place to get that offer. And St. Joe's just keeps having good athletic programs, good, good athletic teams. And we've been told that uh, Brad Underwood, obviously he's, he's high on the kid or he doesn't make an offer, but uh, he really likes – this player and well, he just finished his sophomore year. I know. I mean, that's, you know, that's a heck of a start. Yeah, it is. Nine forty-two. It's not easy to play more than one sport in college. We were talking during the break about uh, Kyle Hudson, yep. who played football and baseball. Yep. Yeah, but you just don't see them anymore. No, Steve. I mean, they just. But back in the day, we had all kinds of players playing baseball and football, and or baseball and basketball. I, you know, I think of. Bob Windmiller, I think of well, one of the great ones uh, was the receiver we got had from Elkhart, who is now I'm going to forget his name, uh, who was the leading receiver on the Illinois football team and also played for Harv Schmidt in basketball. So we've had uh, Robertson was his name. Okay, right, comes to me, but um, just uh, just a lot of guys. You go all the way back. If I I had a box score uh, from a game played in the late '40s, real late '40s, where Andy Phillip was playing first base and. Ruck Steger was in the game. Baseball, I'm talking right, about. Yeah. That wasn't their main sport. I mean, that's just two guys. There were like four or five guys in that lineup that played multiple sports. Nine, Dyke, Dyke Edelman comes to mind. That's right. <laughs> multiple, multiple <laughs> sports. 9.43 is the time. There's been some talk this week about uh, expanding the college football playoff to 12 teams. We'll tackle that topic when we come back. Stay with us. Your calls are always welcome. 217-356-9397. On Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.46, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Glad you're with us. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Thanks to Cassie Arner from the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics for spending some time with us to talk about full capacity at Memorial Stadium and State Farm Center coming up this fall and winter and 100% participation at all events, including volleyball as well. Kedrick Prince was also with us talking basketball recruiting, and we just spoke with Kyle Duvall, the head coach of St. Joseph Ogden, about one of his players, Ty Pence, a sophomore, getting a basketball scholarship offer from the U of I. Now we're going to tackle another uh, topic of college football. 
and a proposed 12-team playoff, or at least discussion about a 12-team playoff. Our friend Scott Docterman, who covers Iowa and the Big Ten for the Athletic in Iowa City, is with us. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing? How are things in Iowa City? Hey, everything's wonderful and kind of hot uh, last week or so here in Iowa City, Steve, and uh, hope you and uh, Lauren are, are staying cool and having a great summer. We're playing a lot of golf in the heat. And, <laughs> and, we, and they're not staying cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? It's, it's better than putting four layers on, I'll tell you that. I, I don't mind it when it gets uh, like this, but uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the college football playoff and discussions about uh, taking that to 12 teams, which, uh, you know, seems like a big jump from four to 12. But when you think about it a while, it kind of makes sense to me. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm there with you. I mean, at first it's kind of like sticker shock and you go, wow. I mean, everybody kind of expected it to grow, but maybe to eight teams. But I think when you start to talk about 12 teams, it makes sense. And I think for the part of the country that we live in, the Big Ten West, I mean, how many opportunities would a, a team in this uh, in this division have a chance to make a four-team playoff or even an eight-team playoff, especially with Ohio State just kind of running roughshod over the Big Ten? I mean, really, Wisconsin and Iowa probably had one year each where they had that chance and couldn't get it done in Indianapolis. So I think in a 12-team uh, playoff that, uh, you know, if Brett Bielema can get everything going in Illinois or if Kirk Ferentz could have a magical year or – Paul Chris does the right thing in, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. I think if you play well, you win maybe 10 or 11 games, and even if you lose in Indianapolis, you have a great shot at making the playoffs. And I think the, the actual getting into the playoffs right now has replaced the playing in a New Year's uh, Six Bowl game, uh, the experience of it. And I think that's where kind of college football has been heading for a while, and I think it's just the logical next step. You know, Scott, um, I don't know who said this, but uh, the idea that uh, why now, and the answer was one word, and I thought this is a perfect word, boredom. The fact that it was always the same four teams. If you, I just, uh, since 2014, 20 of the 28 teams in the, in the playoffs were Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. We've got to do something to get other schools involved because it's boring just to watch the same teams play every year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think that's what everybody's had is kind of this playoff fatigue where, I mean, you know, you can't downgrade Alabama and Clemson and and the other schools to an extent for for their dominance. I mean, I think Alabama's dominance is really unprecedented, and certainly Clemson used to be known for Clemsoning. (laughs) <laughs> which was blowing something, and, and now it's completely the opposite. But but then you look at, like, the previous 16 years of the BCS and just the constant rotation of teams that would have been in the top four, um, and you look at the kind of the blue bloods of the conferences that haven't had a chance to crack in, whether they just weren't good enough or, or for whatever reason, you know, a Michigan, a Texas, a USC, a Florida, you know, those teams that typically would – you know, start to make some moves against, uh, you know, a, a, an Ohio State or an Alabama, uh, you know, just haven't been able to rise up and do it. And I think after a while, you're just like, yeah, here we are, especially in our part of the world to see, here we go, another Alabama-Clemson matchup, and it just doesn't make sense. So I think this is a kind of a way to jumpstart everything. And then and then I think you also plant the urgency of what just took just happened with the pandemic. And the amount of money that you're going to get out of this. Each school, each conference 
and that can't be underestimated. So I, I think this is a the right time. Um, I, my anticipation is kind of the timetable that it went from this management council. It's going to go to the full uh, group um, within a week. And then by September, I'd imagine it'll get approved and we'll probably start this 2023 and uh, and we'll see it see a full go. Well, will this, I must ask, will this change recruiting, do you think? Because right now recruiting is just way overloaded in, in these particular, these top teams. That's a great question. And I wish I had a great answer for it. And I'm not sure because uh, what, what's happened is as those teams have kind of choked the life out of college football, that they've been able to go into places that normally they wouldn't recruit and recruit at a national level and grab really good players that may have shifted the fortunes of, of a program, whether it's, uh, you know, like in Iowa, there's a safety from, uh, um, you know, into the Des Moines area who's almost a five-star. And if he, you know, maybe in the past he would have decided to go to Iowa. He's right now kind of considering Ohio State, but Alabama has come to Iowa and recruited players. And normally that wouldn't have been the case, but now uh, maybe this shifts that fortune. If you can legitimately say, if you're Iowa, that, hey, we have an opportunity to get to the playoff every year. If we win the division and you have a chance, same thing with Wisconsin, you know, Brett Bielema can sell that kind of hope now in Champaign and and all across the country that I think there's a chance that you could really start to see a, a, a reduction in in, the, in a few recruits every year, maybe in saying, you know what, I don't need to go to Alabama to have a chance to play for the championship. I could do it right here in my own backyard. And if that's the case, the sport is immediately more healthy than it was, uh, you know, just days ago. Visiting with uh, Scott Dockerman from uh, The Athletic in Iowa City. When Lauren a few minutes ago mentioned about one word when he thought of this, it wasn't the word I was thinking about. Uh, the word I had in mind was money. Well, <laughs> they'll get around to that for sure. What do you think, Scott? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, we every school lost just a tremendous amount of money in revenue last year. I mean, you know, locally in Iowa, it was in the $50 million range, and they have to go and uh, they have to borrow from the university. So for the first time in like 15 years, they're not going to be a self-sufficient athletic department until they can pay that loan back. And, and I think every school is that way. And and so they're looking for ways to boost that revenue to, to get back into where they were, you know, say in 2018 and 19. And this is this is one way to do it because the college football playoff will infuse the kind of cash that we've never seen, you know, from the networks. And um, and, and then with that, I think that, you know, the networks will probably have a little sticker shock themselves going, wow, we've got to pay this. But when you see the interest in, say, mid-December when you get those four matchups and at, at campuses and – say a number five Wisconsin plays host to a number 12 Florida in mid-December in, in Camp Randall <laughs> Stadium, I think people are going to go, okay, I'm definitely watching this rather than than uh, the, the Camellia Bowl or the you know Fix-It-Yourself Bowl or whatever it's called. So I think you're going to see a lot of cash uh, going, and uh, it, it's going to help everybody because I know, you know, like Illinois has a lot of debt service, I know, on some of the new um, – projects that they've started there and, and everybody's got coaches that they've got to you know either pay off or uh, or try to pay and so th- this is going to be a real help and a boost financially for everybody just to make sure that this is a this is a system and a, and a bowl it replaces those bowl games that have kind of grown stale 
and and probably eliminate a lot of the opt-outs that we started to see last year. Now, some of the top teams are going to be playing more games, and we're talking maybe like 16 games or so. Um, do you see some players, more players, and we're already seeing some players pull out uh, of bowl games and that sort of thing. Do you see, is this a greater risk uh, uh, that we'll lose some players that will want to wait and, and, and protect their health for the, for the draft? You know, I think for the playoffs, you won't see that. But I do think this is a real concern, Lauren. And I think this is something that the Big Ten toyed with and I thought had it. And one of the best ideas I've heard in the last several years, last year with that Champions Week uh, uh, system, which was uh, at the end of the year, you know, you you line up the divisions, one versus one, two versus two. Of course, that didn't happen for a lot of reasons. But I think that what should happen and what could happen is, the Big Ten saying, okay, week 12 will be our championship week, so there's not a 13th game. And you could do a lot of different things with that. One, you know, you could say everybody plays everybody in their division, uh, you know, and then move over and play two cross-divisional games every year, and then your last game will be a TBA against uh, an opponent from the East Division if you're from the West. Or, um, and maybe this is maybe even a better idea, is uh, abolish the divisions altogether, uh, give everybody three permanent opponents, and then you rotate the other ten opponents. You know, you know, you play five two years on, and then the other five two years, uh, and then your last game will be just kind of a matchup uh, to finish the season. And and you can even do that, say, spread over two weekends. Maybe the Big Ten plays its traditional rivalries, kind of the weekend it used to, uh, the week the Saturday before Thanksgiving and then spread that Champions Week over two weekends. So maybe you play four games over the Thanksgiving weekend, and then you, you still have that exclusivity possibly with the championship game you know, on the first weekend in, in December. So I think there's a lot of creativity involved, but I agree with you 100% that the players, if you're, a, a, say, a, you're the sixth seed and you win your first couple of games, I mean, you're looking at a 16 and potentially 17-game season as it's currently set up, and that's too much to ask of these athletes. It's way too early for me to ask this. I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> who's, uh, who's your favorite in the West division of the Big Ten in football? I like both Wisconsin and Iowa, and I'm not sure which one comes ahead. Iowa won pretty decisively last year, but uh, Wisconsin was down to the players. Uh, I think both teams have some real strengths. I think it's really going to come down to which quarterback performs. I mean, what we saw, what you guys saw in Champaign last year out of Iowa, Spencer Petras was a horrific first quarter, which was kind of similar to some of his other games. And then a very good, you know, two and a half quarters roughly. And, and I think the same thing you saw Graham Mertz at his absolute best in the opener. And then, and then uh, at Iowa city, he wasn't very good at all. And, and he was kind of up and down. So, I think whichever quarterback kind of emerges probably puts that team in the driver's seat. But I wouldn't really rule out a Minnesota. I think they'll bounce back. I question, I wonder about Northwestern. They've lost just so many people. And I know you, you kind of have to say, hey, if you're going to pick against the Wildcats, do it at your own peril. But I, I, I think they did lose a little bit too much. And then you never know what you're going to get out in Nebraska. Um, and I'm obviously very fascinated with what Brett's going to do in, in Champaign. I think He's got the right style and philosophy. Uh, he's obviously a tremendous recruiter. I've heard that from a lot of people throughout the 
Midwest that Brett's going into different uh, – he's met with every single high school coach or called every single high school coach of the state where Lovey didn't quite even make it to a few of the biggest and best high schools. So I think he's got Illinois on the right path. And then Jeff Brom at, at Purdue. I mean, that offense is something to behold, but uh, the team itself has just never really gotten over the hump. So I think it's going to be a fascinating division in the West, but if you were to ask me who's kind of the favorite, I'd probably split it between Wisconsin and Iowa. Who does Iowa open with? <laughs> They've got Indiana at home in the opener uh, the first weekend, and then then they go to Iowa State, which will be the biggest Cyhawk beating of them all. Right. And, uh, so that's a, that's a power punch right off the bat for the Hawkeyes. If they can if they can come out of that two and zero, they're a legitimate uh, you know top ten, top eight type of team uh, going through the teeth of the schedule. Good stuff, Scott. Always good to talk to you. Thank you, Scott. All right, thanks for having me on. Can't wait to talk to you guys during the fall. You bet. All right. Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City as we hit 10 o'clock. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is coming up. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. 85 degrees in Champaign-Urbana on this Saturday, heading for a high of 95. I'm told that would be in record territory if we get to that point this afternoon. We were out there yesterday. Glad to have you back on the show, and we welcome Will Leach to the program. We speak to Will about uh, once a month. First of all, Will, congratulations. I see that uh, your book, How Lucky, has uh, made a top-selling list from Amazon.com. Way to go. It's early yet, though. Yeah, it, thank you. It could get better than that, right? It's been a pleasant surprise uh, how it's all gone. I just figured everyone would be like, eh, Cardinal fan, I'm not reading it. So I'm like, I'll take it. You know, I'll take it. It's, it's been a very pleasant surprise. I'm I'm happy to get They're going to let me do another one. And to me, that's all I was asking. If I get to do another one, I'll be happy. Well, the Cardinals get to try another one tonight at uh, Wrigley Field after the Cubs came back and won yesterday 8-6. to six, And uh, kind of right now, in a battle of teams going opposite directions. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's really not that complicated when it comes to the Cardinals, right? Really, historically, as, as good of a run as the Cardinals have had, really, over the last couple of decades, when they have good pitching, they're good, and when they don't, they don't. They're not, and that's that's really what's happening now. The pitching staff has fallen apart, and you know, I you still look at the lineup, and you can see how it could work. You know, I mean, one of the biggest concerns for the Cardinals coming into the season was the outfield, right? How much of these young outfielders were going to stick? Looks like they've got three outfielders that can stick right now. It feels like they particularly once Bader back, Bader's back. That's that's a good position there, but just the pitching has just imploded on them. And it's not just it's been injuries, but you know every team has injuries, and you've got guys that you really could have had to. I think you would expected uh, a lot more of this year. I mean, Carlos Martinez has fallen off the rail. Uh, John Gantz really just kind of been a magic trick <laughs> that's been maybe coming, uh, maybe expiring a little bit. There's just not enough quality pitching for the Cardinals right now. And uh, that's never really been a problem with the Cardinals, right? That's always been their strategy 
is we'll just have so much pitching. And the irony of this situation is, of course, when the way this team was constructed and the way the Cubs were constructed was the idea the Cubs were the team that was going to have the young hitters and they'd figure out the pitching. And the Cardinals were the team that had all the young pitchers and they'd figure out the hitting. And it turns out the Cubs pitching is, is what's beating the Cardinals right now. So I think that uh, I'm not – the problem with the Cardinals now is I'm not sure – there's a way out of this because, you know, I know the Cardinals need to acquire some pitching, but so does generally every team in baseball and particularly teams that are maybe a better uh, and have more to offer and basically have a better record than the Cardinals. So I don't know. I have to say uh, it, it, it's, it's ominous looking for the Cardinals right now. I'll confess. Well, I, you know, this is interesting because I think two or three years ago there were trade possibilities that popped up and, they always protected their, quote, young pitchers because they didn't want to trade any of them because they thought that would be the strength by now. <laughs> and by now, we the best pitcher is 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, it is a nice stretch. And the guy that was supposed to be the linchpin of the staff, the of the staff was Alex Reyes, who has finally come together, but it's still a guy you can only trust to throw one inning, and it's still a guy that feels like he'd get hurt at any moment, you know, and, and – at a certain level, you know, Derek Gould, the reporter for the Post Dispatch, had a great uh, uh, tweet this week where he pointed out the home run leaders for the 2018 Memphis Redbirds, and it had like Luke Voigt and Patrick Wisdom and mm. all of these players that and Randy Rose Arena and all these players that don't play for the Cardinals anymore. And and we, and and you know, you look at you know, Adolis Garcia, I believe, was on there. He's going to make the All Star team and might win Rookie of the Year. It's it's a you have to start wanting. Listen, John Mozeliak is a smart guy. Uh, they've been entrenched. He's been entrenched there for a long time in St. Louis. You can look at some of the decisions he's made in a vacuum and be like, okay, I get what he was thinking there. But at a certain level, you know, there's an old uh, there's an old canard about uh, baseball managers being like, uh, you know, after like ten years, no matter how how well you're doing, people start to get sick of you, and people start and you start to calcify them. And I think this is what you may be seeing with the Cardinals a little bit. You know, you look at a team like the Rays or or even a team like uh, like like the Giants or you know, even, you know, like the A's and so on, even the White Sox in a certain way. There's a certain unconventional thinking or a new kind of thinking. And it does feel like the Cardinals, for good reason, you know, because they've had a lot of success over the last 20 years, for good reason have decided this is the way we do things and we're just going to keep doing that way. And it's starting to look like maybe other people in baseball you're seeing. You know, look at the Cubs. Patrick Wisdom, he was forced in there because of injury, but he started hitting. All those guys that the Cardinals have coming in out of injury, they're not helping. And I think you, you have to at one point wonder what is our other teams doing that the Cardinals aren't because they're in the same position as the Cardinals, but they're thriving and the, the Cardinals clearly aren't. You mentioned White Sox, and I don't want to get into much more baseball, but uh, they got a manager who was catching some heat a while back. And now Larusa's there isn't they're not even talking about Larusa they're winning games <laughs> and then that's kind of gone by the wayside, hasn't it? It is funny, you know. It, it's strange because it was weird to have people say, "Wow, I mean, like the White Sox, they're such a talented team, but their 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 manager just won't get out of the headlines and won't stay out of the public eye." Which is, you know, it's not like Tony Larusa was a shrinking wallflower when he was with the Cardinals <laughs> or with the A's. I mean, he's always been a big personality. I would argue the way we discuss managers and the way we really discuss anything in the public square has just changed a lot in the last ten years. And now, when Tony Larusa does something that people don't like, everyone talks about it on Twitter all day, and it gets on all the 
on hot take and first take and all of these dumb shows. It, it makes it feel like a bigger deal than it is. I guarantee you La Russa was like, yep, everybody's mad at me. Everyone's always mad at me. I'm Tony La Russa. People are always angry with me all the time. My job is to win baseball games. And he's consistently done that. And that's why he's been able to – that's why he's the second winning, most winning, winning manager of all time. It is strange. In a different context, you would look at all the players that the White Sox have lost this year, from uh, from Jimenez to Robert to now uh, Magical. You see all these like key players of the team that keep getting hurt. We would be like, wow, what a job the manager must be doing to keep that team together after using all, losing all his young talent. But I think because La Russa is such a polarizing figure, so why did they bring him in there? They brought him in there to win games. A great way to make your team – people are always like, well, but they're not going to like that manager. He's too old and they're too young. You know what makes players like their manager? Winning baseball games. <laughs> Winning baseball games is a great way to have happy players, and I think you're seeing that there. We're going to switch you over to football. We're going to switch you over to 12-team playoff. Do you like the idea? Where did this come from? Yeah, it certainly feels like, you know, like with everything else in college football, it kind of feels like a Frankenstein monster cobbled together from all sorts of different, like you have to please this constituency and this constituency and this and this conference and this school president. It's weird. It's strange. I, I, there's something about this seems strange, by the way, that like, you know, one of the things that teams really want are to be able to host playoff games. That would be amazing to be able to host a playoff game. But it's weird to have like the five, six, seven, and eight teams do that rather than the one, two, three, and four teams do that. That's kind of a weird setup for it. But at a certain level, I think the, there's an understanding that four is just not enough. They were going to change from it. And eight came with its own problems, and 16, at least for now, feels like too much. 12 feels like the way they were going to kind of land on this. And, you know, I know that people bring up, you know, in college basketball, like people feel like the college basketball season has been devalued somewhat because of the NCAA tournament. I find that strange because it's not like the NCAA tournament just showed up in the last 10 years. It's been around for a really long time. And I think college basketball may have its own issues separate of that. But the idea that uh, people are going to somehow pay less attention to college football because there are more teams that have a chance to make the playoffs, I, I, it strikes me as a little bit silly. Now, I don't know if this solved what might be the larger problem is whether you have 12 teams in the play, uh, playoff or 16 teams or eight teams or however many you t- have, you're still probably end up with a playoff of Clemson and Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> and, and same, Oklahoma. same four teams like, will be in there. Yeah. yeah that, that, I think that's what they really are trying to prevent is to like put up more barriers to them. But I mean, you know, you see the same recruiting rankings that I do. Just the talent is just blocking those places in a disproportionate manner. You know, so I think that, I don't know if you're going to change that, but, you know, and I also think some of the ideas are like, oh, well, having three other play- three more playoff rounds will mean three times the money. Eh, I'm not sure that's going to play out uh, uh, really either. But certainly, I don't think it's going to devalue the college football season. And frankly, you know, there is something to the idea of a team gets hot and they sneak in one of those. And just the excitement that comes with that. For crying out loud, we joke about Illinois football, but when they've had those two-peak seasons, they would have made that. <laughs> like that how can you imagine? Like, I know that, that that's not really necessarily something we imagine happening on a regular basis, but the idea of doing that once would be an absolute program changer for Illinois and a lot of programs like Illinois. And I think like Indiana would have made it last year. That yep. would be something they would have forever. And so yep. I, think, I think there's value in it there, too. Talking to Will Leach, yesterday... Illinois announced full capacity for football at Memorial Stadium and basketball at State Farm Center. Any chance we'll see you and your family at an Illinois game coming up? Uh, you are talking to someone who is, uh, I'm going to have to get on the horn with Kent Brown at this point <laughs> and see, about, see what we can do for that opening weekend because 
yeah, that, that week zero game, uh, I got to tell you, that's going to be one that's going to uh, be, be pretty uh, tough for me not to get back to, to be honest. I, that, that just feels like something that's really exciting. Really, kind of no matter what happens with the game, I, I always have to have my flank protected. Remember the last time I was this excited about a game to start a season, it was the North Carolina game. Right. It's like, hey, you almost got a touchdown. How'd that turn out? Everything went bad. <laughs> yes, everything went bad. And that's okay. That's okay because that excitement was real and it matters, right? You know, I think that, I think when we, people look back at that North Carolina game, it's obviously for good reason with uh, with a lot of negative thoughts. But I try to focus on a positive. And you remember how excited people were when that game started and how much that meant. Remember how excited they were when they beat Arizona State uh, about uh, a few years ago and how, how big of a game that was to do that. That excitement is there, and that's something that I'd like to be able to be a part of. So, yeah, I, I'm going to – I think uh, i got to figure out how the hotels work. They don't they get booked very far in advance. I could say well, I've got family in Mattoon, so uh, but yeah, I, to be able to go, I would uh, be very excited to be there for that first one. That North Carolina game you mentioned in uh, 2016 was the last time Memorial Stadium has been sold out, and uh, that was a night game. This game will be at noon, a little bit different uh, time frame there, but having the big stage on national TV as, as you know the main game going on that week zero should. Uh, certainly bring people to the stadium it's, and eyeballs to the TV. It's just a monstrous game for Bielema, who, you know, but people want to believe, but if you lose to Nebraska, which has been had a losing record the last three years or a, t- a combined losing record, and Jesus, if you lose that game, it's just, it's going to knock your way back. It's, it's too bad that it has to be that way, but the pressure's on, and if you can't perform when, when it counts, you're not going to have the fans. I'm, I, that's the way it is around here. For what, for what it's worth, you talk pressure. Imagine the pressure Scott Frost is under in that game. Yes, too. <laughs> like that is, they expect to win, and they'll have people game. here. Oh, I mean, I mean, like the idea of Nebraska with all uh, they're under, and Scott Frost being the guy that's supposed to come and fix them and bring them back to glory. I love Illinois. I think Illinois can be great. But I guarantee you, Nebraska does not feel there's any chance they're going to lose that game. That's so, right. Uh, that feels like a big, a big problem. And listen, I think it's exciting, though. I think the fact that you see that enthusiasm does matter, right? Because it's been a rough, you know, it's, it was, it's been a rough couple of years. People are expecting a little bit more. I think the fact that you see that enthusiasm, and mostly we've talked about this before, you see that there's an obvious plan. <laughs> like there is an obvious, maybe it's going to work and maybe it's not going to work. But there is a plan in place, and I think there's value in that. In coming off of, we can argue about uh, some of uh, uh, Lovey Smith's uh, strategies with recruiting, or or some of his attitudes with the media. But like he, there's a foundation. Illinois is in a better place than it was when Lovey Smith got there. I think Bielema is smart enough to recognize that and build off it. And uh, even if they don't win that game, I'm not jumping off the train. Of course, I've never jumped off the train, and there were many times to jump <laughs> off the train. Uh, so so I'm sticking with it. But I do I do think that. Uh, uh, the program looks at, to me in a pretty solid place compared to what's been in the past, uh, kind of no matter what happens with that game. But, uh, yeah, I'll be there to root them on. There's no question. We'll let you go with this. Your thoughts on uh, the current status of the name, image, likeness um, legislation or lack thereof in, in uh, certain parts of the country. Your thoughts on where that might end up and, and how it's going to work. Yeah, it, it is interesting that, that, you know, people have already tried to paint it. You've seen this, obviously, in Georgia as a, as a competitive advantage, and some schools will offer and some schools are won't, or won't, and therefore there'll be a recruiting advantage for one team, maybe if it, in like a few years. But it really feels like this first year is just going to be so chaotic. <laughs> it's yeah. just going to be chaotic. Like, like nothing is really kind of nailed down. There's no official, like some schools are doing it this way, some states are doing it this way. It just feels like there's too much 
you're going to need a year. It's such a massive change to the way like the NCAA views itself and college sports views itself. I, it, it doesn't. It seems a little early to think that. I, I think the thing we need to be careful about, though, is this year there's going to be like some weird stuff that happens. There'll be like a player that that gets a, a more money than they should, and like, oh, well, they shouldn't do this. And I think that like there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be like weird things that make headlines and make you feel like, well, maybe we shouldn't do this. Eyes on the prize here. <laughs> this is a good thing in the long term for college sports and for these athletes. I would argue it's just a start. But either way, it certainly strikes me as a good thing. I hope we don't let, if there's an aberration here or someone gets something maybe they shouldn't there or just looks bad. It reminds me whenever people talk about government spending, there's always a toilet somewhere that costs $50,000. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is ridiculous. Why are we even having government spending? And I feel like this, a good, uh, whether you, whatever your thoughts on that, I think there's something to the case of not letting like a weird headline, which will surely happen at some point with, uh, with, with, this, with, with this being kind of roughly put together, take our eyes off how in five years it's probably going to be seen very strange that this was not always something that people, that teams in these schools had. Well, it's supposed to go into effect on July 1 with a number of states if, the, if Congress doesn't move. Obviously, the NCAA is not going to move on it. They're waiting for Congress to do something. And I know they're attempting it, but we're only two to three weeks away from yeah. <laughs> some players in some and, and 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 in Indiana they're really crying because they don't have they haven't even started to work on it at the general assembly level, and uh, you know it, it's gonna they're gonna Indiana's gonna be behind in this thing, and they they're concerned yeah, that full- that would affect recruiting this year. Yeah, I'm fully expecting like on July 1st here in Georgia because they're ready. Like yeah. here, like I'm going to go to like the grocery store and there's going to be the offensive lineman greeting me like a casino greeter. I have like <laughs> no doubt at all that that is like, they, they are ready to rock on this thing here. So I think that, but again, that just feels like a short term thing. Like, it's yeah. like that will be a mess. And I think they're not ready in this as usual. Everything. And also, it's, I don't know about you, but it's, you, I don't know if you've noticed, but everything is kind of going slowly in the world right now. Everyone's reacclimating themselves to being back. So I can understand the, the, the kind of sluggishness now, but I, I think it'll get figured out. Just We just got to get through the choppy waters of this year first. Hey, Will, as always, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for taking time with us. Of course, my pleasure. And seriously, now, call us, call us, uh, talk about that game. Call us overnight if you figure out something for the Cardinals. <laughs> don't, don't wait a month. <laughs> yeah. Is that, can we clone Wainwright? Develop that technology. A good idea. Yeah, who would have thought we would have been talking about cloning Wainwright? I didn't even think he'd be on the staff. Right, I love the guy, but I didn't didn't think he'd be the best pitcher. Thanks again, Will. Of course, thank you. You bet. Will Leach with us at 1018. Got a little open line segment coming up, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we're going to talk some Illinois football with Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News at 1030. Back with more after this. Ten twenty-one, a lot. I fell a Saturday sports talk on DWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Another fellow window store of Champaign has been uh, working with people, area residents, and homeowners many, many years throughout the state of Illinois. They're located on North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, and they would like to help you find the perfect window or door. Whether or not you're looking for replacement or new windows or doors, check out the showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. To see the products in person, you'll find that you can look at them live there, so to speak. Put your hands on them. As Pella has rated the number one 
window brand in uh, Champaign by Champaign Homeowners. And the experts there know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation. And working with the folks at the uh, Pella Window Store is an easy process. They'll be there for you from uh, start to finish, from the shopping to the installation. Check them out at 1001 North Country Fair Drive or their website, PellaOfChampagne.com. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or Saturday by appointment. Give them a call, 356-6474 for the Pella Window Store of Champaign. If you're a fan of high school sports, pick up a copy of the News Gazette today. There's all kinds of coverage of the state track uh, situation and softball, softball, baseball, whatever you want. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. So uh, Matt Daniels and his group of guys doing a great job there. Some some historic events as far as teams getting to this point of the season for the first time and winning state uh, championships and tracks. So uh, check it out, the News Gazette. We talked a little baseball with uh, Will Leach about uh, the Cubs and Cardinals. Always a fun weekend. And it was interesting to uh, to watch the game yesterday with full capacity there at uh, Wrigley Field. And the Cardinals go full capacity Monday on June the 14th. Makes a difference, doesn't it? It does. Everybody stand up. Rizzo's fouling that ball off 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 pitches. And then he hits a home run. And tied the game. That was a that was a big factor in that game. It was a big. I think that just kind of just took the wind out of the Cardinals and and did the opposite for the Cubs. That might have been the at bat of the season. Might be for the Cubs. Yeah, they may have a bigger one. You know what bothers me about that? It's a great at bat. Everybody says it's a great at bat. If I'm the pitcher, I fooled him thirteen times. He fooled me once. Right. (laughs) You know, but I mean, I had him. If he'd have hit the ball a little better, ten times he'd been out. You ever think of it that way? No, I'm 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 only thinking of it from a pitcher standpoint. If I got a guy and he's fouling it off, that means I'm beating him every time. I'm beating him because he can't hit it. He's fouling it off, and then he hits a home run. Yeah, but as a pitcher, great at bat. As a pitcher, former pitcher that you are, as you watch that at bat, what did you keep thinking on the next pitch? Don't throw him a fastball. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he just fouled off a fastball over the middle, and then he threw him another fastball. I think it was a fastball. I mean, it wasn't a breaking ball. It, might, it, it could have been a changeup, I suppose. I don't know, I don't know the speed of it. But uh, Ponce de Leon uh, was really upset about it. But, you know, you, you just can't hit the corners every single time. I mean, ten times in a row. You just can't. Nobody can. Well, especially with a guy like Rizzo who – crowds the plate the way he does. You know what? He's changed a little bit. You see, he's backed off the plate slightly. That's the first time I've seen him do that. They were talking about it yesterday, the fact that he's, he gets hit a lot because he gets a, that elbow up right on the edge of the plate. Did he do it he, at the, at the be, all the time, like at the beginning of the at-bat, or as that series went, no, did he, he back up? No, he has changed his – I don't know. I will simply tell you that there, they, they brought it up and showed that he's clearly – backed off some from the plate during this game. I think it's a permanent thing. But right. I, I don't think it's just that one at bat, but it might be. I, I just don't know. But anyway, he, <laughs> he hit that ball a mile, and it changed that game. The problem, one of many problems, that the, Cub, the Cardinals have at the moment is the fact that they're not chasing just the Cubs. The Brewers have won eight of their last ten sure. and are tied – with the Cubs in yep. first place in that division, the Brewers always tend to play a little better over these recent years than you, you think they're going. Than I think they're going to. I didn't. I I just uh, 
I don't know if I don't respect them enough. Uh, I don't know if how good their pitching's going to. I don't know whose pitching's going to hold up. I think so, the Brewers' pitching is better. Okay. Starting pitching, the Cubs' Everybody, bullpen has been lights out. <clears throat> Everybody's starting pitching is better than the Cardinals because they don't have three or their five starters. Yeah, so that the <clears throat> Cubs and Brewers uh, seem to be uh, running away with it, so to speak. Cardinals are four games back, mm-hmm. and they play a game tonight and a game tomorrow night at Wrigley Field. Then they're they're home for a while and uh, try to get uh, things figured out. But I don't know what you do with desperate. Times call for desperate measures. I saw they were talking to Shelby Miller about uh, getting know, him back on the uh, roster. Yeah, I don't know where you find pitchers this time of year when everybody's looking for them. It's pretty hard. And Max Scherzer went and left the game. Uh, yeah, the other so day did with, he grow. Yeah. Everybody, you know, when you when you throw that hard, that's an incredible strain on your on your shoulder and elbow. It's just incredible. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it, the, the body just can't handle it. And the fact they only played 60 games last year is probably contributing to the uh, high number of people on the injured list, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I just don't know. I don't know what last year means to this year, but all I know is that, that, that there's an awful lot of talk about pitching and there's an awful lot of talk about what they want to do to prevent the pitchers from being so effective, and the Cardinals aren't in that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It's 1027. We'll take a break here. Stay with us. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Ten thirty, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk rolling on. With Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you until 11. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. Let's talk some more Illinois football. Doug Bouchon is with us from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. Good morning, Doug. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing well, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I want to talk some football recruiting and uh, your thoughts on how things have gone so far the first few months of the Brett Bielma era and his... Uh, attempt to get out and uh, get in front of a lot of high school coaches. Of course, he hadn't been able to get out physically until just this month. But your your thoughts on the way he's attacked this whole thing so far? Well, I think they're very aggressive in the state of Illinois. and That's, that's what really jumps out at you. Um, uh, really a big contrast between Lovey Smith and Brett Bielma when it comes to recruiting in their own backyard. and uh, A lot of visitors from the state um, – a lot of commits from the state and I, I you know I think that's the right approach you know building building uh with kids from the state of Illinois as the foundation of the program and uh you know and, and then they're branching out of course all over the country the east, the east coast the eastern seaboard always Florida and Texas uh, big recruiting states but the foundation appears that it's going to be the state of Illinois and, and uh, you know I we've been kind of waiting for a coach to do that for a long time um you know, and uh, Brett Bielema is doing it, and I think there's a lot of bu- quite a bit of buzz in, in Chicago area about about Illinois football right now. Of course, uh, Bielema will be the first guy to tell you that you need to put W's up, and he's got uh, the benefit of 20, well, I guess 22 now, super seniors with Mike Epstein coming back. Um, so that'll be key to get some wins and uh, to get that brand going. What are, you, what are your thoughts about the upcoming season? Well, it's hard to know what to expect because it's, you know it's all everything is new. All 
schemes are new. They're going to a 3-4 defense uh, after playing a 4-3 for so many years. Uh, so guys are moving to different positions. Guys who are playing with their hand on the ground are playing stand-up at linebacker now. A whole new scheme on offense that's going to revolve around the power running game. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm about the team, but we don't don't really know how they're going to perform when they get on the field with all these new schemes. So that Nebraska game, uh, <laughs> which kicks off college football, is going to be really interesting to watch. I'm going to take you back to recruiting, uh, uh, Doug. Uh, it, talk about the quality of the players who have committed. Is Illinois the University of Illinois getting in on the top players in Illinois, or is this a second-run group? Yeah, you know, I don't think they're they're quite ready yet to make make that jump where they're getting the the top kids that go to you know blue blood programs. Uh, but they're they're getting the second tier kids, uh, and those guys those are guys you can win with, and it's a good way to start, you know, and then uh, win some games, and then down the road you'll start you'll start getting some of those top kids from the state. But uh, you're still competing with those kids. You're still competing with the Ohio State and Michigans and Notre Dames. And the, I don't think they're quite ready to start uh, grabbing those kids quite yet. Uh, I want, when, you, when we talk about this, I, I wonder, is the, the year of the pandemic, uh, is, are your ratings as do you feel, your ratings, this is what we're basing this on, uh, are as accurate as they have been in the past? Do you feel you're uh, still as accurate in, in terms of evaluating the, the level of talent? Well, we're getting there. I mean, when, when the camp season um, is is back, uh, we're starting to see players. But, uh, no, it, I mean, I think, and I think it's true of every, of every uh, uh, you know, network like ours. That there's no way that you can, you can be as accurate when you, when you can't see – kids in person uh, you can watch the film you can watch their huddle film and that gives you an idea but you really got to see a kid in person and watch them run see if they're quick twitch watch them you know and watch them in a camp uh, um, setting so you know i think we're we're catching up and we're doing better but uh, you know there's some kids that, that kind of fell through the cracks but uh, we're starting to see those guys now but the, the ratings i think are, are not quite as accurate as they've been as they've been in the past well, what I'm getting around to is do you think that through their evaluations that they've come up with some players that maybe are better than what their you know, their original evaluations were? Yeah, you know, I think that's true throughout all college football. I mean, the coaches wouldn't take commits from kids if they didn't think they were good and could play at their level, you know. And, and um, Illinois took some kids, uh, and then after, after they started recruiting them, they, their recruitment blew up a little bit. So that's a good sign when you – when you take a kid who's who's kind of under the radar, and then all all of a sudden everybody else starts coming in for him, it's it's a good sign that they're doing a good job uh, evaluating their prospects. Visiting with Doug Bouchon, what kind of feedback are you getting from high school coaches and players on this new coaching staff at Illinois? Yeah, with, at, at the risk of sounding like a fanboy, I mean, I haven't heard no, I've heard nothing negative at all about about this staff that. They had their first big wave of official visitors uh, last weekend, and another group of five kids in this week. Uh, nothing, po- nothing, nothing but positive uh, comments from the kids that are visiting, the coaches, the parents, uh, the high school coaches here in the state of Illinois are pretty excited about the program since they're, they're, they're paying so much attention to their kids. So 
so far, nothing but uh, positive stuff uh, coming out of these visits. And like I said, another big wave this weekend, five kids taking official visits. Uh, and we got a story on the front page breaking down those kids this week. Uh, we were talking a lot about this uh, this playoff, which might come in a couple of years. Uh, it's certainly not going to come this year or next year, but it might be a 12-team playoff. Do you see this impacting recruiting down the road as we've noticed, you even you mentioned that uh, you know there are certain blue bloods that, that get. I, I think I saw the top hundred players, fifty five of them went to just four or five schools. Um, I think it was four schools in Notre Dame. Uh, what do you see this changing? If if we have, does this impact it that way? There's the potential for that. Yes, if in, with twelve teams, that means the the the. The programs that are going to benefit the most from this are those uh, group of uh, group of five conference teams that go undefeated, uh, you know, uh, in their on their schedule and uh, think they should have a shot at the national championship. And those those teams are going to have a shot now with twelve teams, you know, like Central Florida back in 2017, or or um, um, the other team out of Florida last year that, that went undefeated. Um, it's going to be really good for those teams to, to prove that they can compete. Re- Recruiting-wise, I, th- I think for the first few years, you're still going to see the Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Those teams are still going to get their talent. But uh, I think over time, it, that may spread out a little bit, and, and uh, teams that perform well in the postseason can start getting more of those guys. I think I think fans are – if you're not a fan of those four schools, you're getting, you're getting kind of tired of watching them play and – the national championship every year, so it's definitely a positive step. Uh, I think I would have preferred eight teams, uh, just because how long they're lengthening the season with twelve. I think eight, eight might have been a better number, but uh, it's a positive step to, to you know crown a, a real a national champion and give some other teams a shot at it. The Illinois coaching staff coming up next Thursday is going to recruit some media members at the uh, Smith Building. I'm sure you'll be there and. Lauren and I will be there, and Lauren's been, he, he's not sure what to do about this. He, he thinks he might have to do some physical activity, so he's been going through some stretches during our commercial breaks here, and it's not a pretty sight. I'm going to race uh, Ed Bond in the 40. <laughs> but uh, that'll be kind of fun to, to get us all back together again and uh, get over there and see the coaching staff. Well, I don't know about you guys. I'm not going to run the 40. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> well, I, if I go the 40, it won't be called a run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what uh, kind yeah, it's gonna of... Cool. I mean, it's going to be real cool. They're going to walk us all through what an official visit looks like. Um, we don't get to see the facilities all that much. Uh, very rarely, you know, the Smith uh, Football Performance Center, we'll get to see that and uh, get the full tour there See what a, and see what a visit is like. So... Now, that's going to be really cool for us, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to document that and, and give the fans on the side an idea of, of what those official visits look like. You think you, they've got to stopwatch slow enough to, <laughs> to time you? a calendar. <laughs> time you. Yeah, it's a calendar. You need to use a calendar. Hey. I haven't got over the last time I ran a 40 or however far we ran. It was me and Osmussen on the, on the football field, and he beat me by a, a, about a foot. A yard, maybe. So you both finished. Well, he got. What did you run? Ten yards, or he? We got. Well, no, we ran. I maybe fifty <laughs> yards. I don't remember how far it was, but I just, I got right up on his shoulder and I couldn't pass him. <laughs> that was a lot of years ago, believe me. Doug, when uh, 
when camp starts coming up this fall for Illinois football, what's the number one storyline in your mind? What are you going to look at first? Well, just the you know overall, we're going to look at the schemes and see how it, how everybody fits in their in their new spot. And I'm really excited about Isaiah Williams moving to slot receiver. I think everybody's going to have their eyes on him. Uh, you know, we've been waiting for now for two years to see Isaiah have his uh, the ball in his hands and see what he can do. And uh, you know, against Rutgers, he started quarterback and, and set a record for rushing for for quarterbacks at the University of Illinois. So I, I'm going to be watching him for sure. I'm going to be watching the uh, tight ends, Luke Ford, uh, especially uh, criminally underused since he's been at Illinois. That's been a pattern over the years, hasn't it, with the tight ends not being used at Illinois. But uh, he's an NFL type of talent at tight ends. So I'm going to be watching him. And then uh, uh, hopefully uh, the guy, the guys at linebacker who were injured and missed the spring are going to be stepping back in and playing. So we'll be watching that and, and uh, just seeing how these – how these schemes click and and how uh, Bielema runs practice. It's going to be a, a whole new whole new ball game for us. And between now and then, uh, the coverage at Orange and Blue News, you'll be doing uh, recruiting updates and such, and I'm sure preseason previews as well, right? Yep, yeah, we're going to start next week uh, counting down the top 30 Illini for 2021. So we'll have a preview of that probably in the next couple of days, and then we'll start the countdown. Uh, we're going to, we're going to pre- preview uh, all of the opponents beginning with Nebraska uh, and talk to them about how spring ball win and what, what they're looking forward to in the fall and uh, continued coverage with recruiting. Uh, this is another big weekend this weekend. Hopefully uh, they have some luck like they did last weekend and, and get a commit or two after following the weekend. Dirk, do you get any idea how many recruits they're going to be able to bring in this coming year? And I ask the question because they will now, they may have 100 people on scholarship this year, but it goes back to 85 next year, which is the recru- recruiting class that they're dealing with. And um, with I, I just can't, I can't get a, a, a real feel for how many scholarships they're going to have available. Do you know? No, we haven't really crunched the numbers. I think it's going to be a big class, you know, in the, in the area of 20 kids. they got okay. 10 commits uh, so far. And we're already hearing that, the, you know, they only got room for one more offensive lineman. they got three committed. And they're they're really after Ryan Bear, who's there, there this weekend, a four-star kid doing his official visit. A uh, kid that's blowing up. Ohio State's looking at him. At Notre Dame's looking at him. A whole bunch of schools. But I, I think overall, uh, I could see a class around 20. Um, and they're off to a pretty good start. They're ranked, they're ranked uh, 27th in the country right now in recruiting. How uh, many defensive linemen do they have? How many offensive linemen? Defensive. Do How many defensive linemen do they have? Defense. Oh, they, have, uh, they don't have any yet. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's, that's what matters. <laughs> that's that's the key yeah. position for me because if you can't stop the other run, the opposing run, you're never going to win games, and that's crucial because it, there aren't that many defensive linemen, particularly tackles, in the state of Illinois. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're right, and uh, and. That's why they, they, they go to down south a lot to get defensive tackle types. And uh, they're going to be looking for a whole new different type of uh, defensive lineman than in the past, too. They, they're looking for big uh, two-gap guys to play the nose tackle position. And then uh, same thing on you know with the defensive ends, big guys that can play two gaps. Uh, you know, they got, a, they got a kid on campus this weekend, Felix Hickson, who's a real stud. Uh, a guy like that, 
uh, would fit really nicely. But um, they're going to they're going to switch their um, focus to defense now, I think, and start looking for defensive backs, uh, defensive tackles, and and uh, linebackers, outside linebackers. They need you know they need a rush linebacker. Uh, they're after a kid named uh, Jared Beatty uh, from Chicago area, uh, who's really their top uh, target to pl- to play um, uh, outside linebacker or defensive end and, and rush off the edge. So. Uh, we're going to see some. We're going to start seeing some defensive commits, I think, here in the next few weeks. Hey, Doug, good stuff. We'll uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for your time. All right, anytime. Thanks, Thanks guys. Doug. You bet. Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com, Illinois.Rivals.com, to keep up with what they've got going on there at Orange and Blue News. We've got going here an open line the rest of the way, 217-356-9397. Back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, 1047. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. Phone lines open the rest of the way. If you'd like to uh, jump in with anything, feel free to do so. We've covered a lot of ground today, but uh, we'd be welcome uh, to hear from you as well. Let's uh, go to the phones, and Ken is calling from Rantoul. Go ahead, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Good. <laughs> I just want to know, I mean, I'm a long time. I'm born and raised in St. Louis. I'm 71 years old. And I ain't even done a new ballpark yet, but uh, I just want to know, I was asking uh, your gentleman, your guy I talked to earlier about Ted Simmons. I thought he's inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2020. Uh, Yes. And uh, my main question was, um, I wish the Cardinals, I'm a Cardinal fan, long, (laughs) diehard Cardinal. But anyway, uh, Molina, What's his contract, and uh, if he's going to retire, or I don't know anything know about his contract or how long he's going to be with the Cardinals. I think he's one of the best catchers I've ever seen. So <laughs> that's about all I have. But thank you. Yep, thanks for the call. We'll address that. I think his contract's just a one-year contract. I think they just signed him this year. Yeah. Yep, and uh, they'll go year to year by year as far as. I think both he and Wainwright are year by year now. Yep. And don't know what he's going to do after that. Well, I but think he probably wants to play another couple of years. I think he does, years. too. I'm, from, from all appearances. And, you know. They, I, he's still hitting the ball. He's still hitting the ball. His catching is still excellent. He's he made a couple of errors. but uh, he, he scored from first on a double the other day. Did you see that? Yeah, he also got thrown out at third, too. <laughs> <laughs> Tried try to go from first to third, but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's been a key to – what success they've had offensively as far as consistency goes. Yeah. He missed some time. but uh, So, yeah, they'll go year to year on him. The uh, Cubs won yesterday 8-5. to five. The White Sox won their ball game over the Tigers 5-4 to four last night in uh, 10 innings. And uh, those matchups again that game today. It got, got rain uh, delayed, didn't it? It I, did. I, in I, in I the ninth, I think. Yeah, it was in the ninth inning because I just uh, checked in on it and I, I saw the score was four to two, and I came back to it and they had the they they had the field covered. It was raining, and if you listen to uh, Stone, you're listening to probably the best color voice there is, in my opinion. He just says good stuff all the time. I I, I just. You know, I I just it's a guy you can listen to for about an hour, and he just he comes up with com- really good comments. Interesting 
that um, your job is to get him on the show next week. Steve. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll give that a shot. Um, interesting that the Cardinals sent their radio broadcast team back on the road, but mm. not their TV. Those guys are still in St. Louis and will stay in St. Louis, I'm told, probably through the, the entire season. They're not sending them back on the road for TV. Radio is an easier product to technically put up yeah. and, and get out there. But uh, there's some, some more obstacles in doing a television broadcast. But uh, it, you miss so much when you're not there. We went through that last mm-hmm. season with yeah. uh, football yeah. and basketball and can it be done remotely? Yes. We did learn that. Sure, it can be done. It can be done, but it's not ideal. Yeah. There's a lot that goes on at a football stadium or a basketball arena that you can't pick up on, no matter how many angles you've got or how many monitors you've got. There's things that happen in the very corner of the baseball game, in the, in the left field corner, that they can't see. Let's go back it's to the phones and Don in Savoy. Hey, Don. Good to hear from morning, you. What's Steve. up? Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Uh, I just heard Lauren mention Steve Stone, and very recently I Googled him, and it's really uh, amusing. He started one of the All-Star games, and he started against J.R. Richard, and the National League got some hits. Uh-oh. Is he going to come to bat? <laughs> yeah, and he tells about that, and it's it's really good, and... Uh, that that was the year that he won the Cy Young, but uh, I, I just thought you'd find it interesting if you Googled him because he's got some great stories, and uh, he does have, uh, uh, you know, a good history. I saw him pitch against the Giants uh, way back after the Giants had traded him, and he was pitching against Mays and McCovey and... Uh, it just, uh, he talked about that. So I just thought I'd mention it. I think yeah. you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Thanks, Don. Appreciate the call. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm at risk of saying he's the best. He's the best I know. I don't hear Well, we don't hear everybody, that's for sure. And uh, um, some that we do hear, Mike Shannon, he's struggling down the stretch. Oh, yeah. This he, is last year. And it is. He's doing 50 games for the Cardinals, but he had a tough battle with COVID. COVID, yeah. And uh, he was down for the count. I mean, mm-hmm. he was. they almost lost Mike Shannon, but they want to get him through this 50th season mm-hmm. uh, by doing 50 games. He's not doing road games. But mm-hmm. uh, um, speaking of announcers, we had a text. Anyone know what Jim Turpin is up to these days? And you he's, talked to Jim here recently. Yeah, I just talked to him last week. He's, uh, he's home. He's, he's hanging out with his family a lot and... and uh, I, he's he's definitely retired. I think he goes to breakfast a lot at the Pancake House, and I, I think that uh, he gets around that way. But um, he's retired. Not much of us have been doing anything <laughs> the last right. fifteen months, as far as getting yep. out and about, and uh, yep. that uh, is changing as we speak. Yep. You pretty well, excited about the football season? You always get ready for football, oh, and get excited. Well, but last oh. year was a little tough to get excited because we didn't know what was going to happen. I, I don't know if I'm excited about it. I'm I'm concerned about it because I I think that it's so essential to be able to win this year in order to have success on the recruiting trail for the remainder of the year and the, and the, and the year to come. Because how you get off, you know, I know I know it's asking too much to get for for somebody to get off 
putting in a new system and, and to get off to a fast start. But they got they got 22 seniors now that uh, you're counting Epstein in that, and uh, you would expect that the team should be pretty good with all the all the experience, and yet everybody is picking Illinois last. Everybody's picking Illinois last. You heard Dr. Mund today. He starts talking about the uh, Western Division. He said, well, you know, it's Wisconsin or Iowa probably, and then Minnesota could be in there. And then he keeps talking, keeps talking. They finally get around to Illinois. You know, it's like it's the last team that anybody talks about. And the reason is because Illinois has been so unsuccessful for so long. And, it, I, and I'm very concerned about that because I think if, if, if Illinois loses that first game and loses to Virginia – in which they'll be an underdog there probably. If you get off to, to, to a couple of bad losses, not bad losses, you know, a couple of losses, that the fans will not stick with it. We've seen the fans diminish every single year. And while we've got them back right now temporarily, you got to win games to keep them. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is a coaching change. You know, mm-hmm. that usually yeah. – yeah. Uh, that means that you're starting over when you make a coaching change, unless the coach leaves for a better job and yeah. whatever. But that that's going to figure into that kind of thinking nationally, maybe not so much locally. Well, I, all I can tell you is that the way we feel about the team here is not being carried over into other areas. Right. People all around us don't think Illinois is going to be very good. People all around us on the west side, east side, north side. I mean, you look at Michigan, you look at – Indiana's going to have one of their best teams ever. They think they got 19 starters back. They got uh, a terrific quarterback coming back. They've got uh, a team that, if they had a, a, a 12-team playoff, they would have been in it last year. Right. That's how good they were. And then they've got a lot of those people back, so they expect to be very, very good. And yet, they don't have the the NIL thing going for them. So July 1, some teams will allow their players to make money. And Indiana, any any player in the state of Indiana cannot. Let's squeeze in another call. Howard in Champaign, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, Lauren, uh, talking about the Cardinals a little bit ago, uh, do you think they take a lot of pitches? Oh, I don't know uh, about that. I know they, I know off, uh, the, uh, their pitchers hit too many batters and, and walk too many, but I don't know if they take too many pitches. I, I don't think so. I I mean, I think everybody takes a certain amount of pitches. I, I, I don't know. Have you kept count of that? I mean, is there a record on it? No, I just watch them practically every night. But the other night, I, I don't know. Uh, that, what's his name, Carlson? Yeah. He stepped in in the box and and he got two right down the middle to start off with, and he just stands there. Are are they not ready to hit when they when they come to the plate? Or well, he, he might have expected something else. I mean, very often you come to the plate, you kind of got an idea what the guy's going to throw, and you you know you've got to be ready for a fastball, obviously. But maybe you maybe they've they maybe he is has a history of uh, this pitcher has a history of starting him off with breaking balls, and he got fooled. I, I mean, mean, they have all the information they need before they get in there, right? Well, yeah. So I I don't I don't know it. Is Willie McGee, is he still the hitting coach? No, he's not the hitting coach. He's a bench coach. Bench coach? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Of course, you know, everybody searches for things when things are going bad. But Well, I don't, th- I don't think their problem is, is uh, offense. I mean, I don't think they have a great offensive team. Don't misunderstand me, but their problem is clearly pitching. I mean, you can't, you know, yesterday you get a 5-1 lead, you ought to be able to win the game. 
Thanks for the call, Howard. I need to uh, take a quick break, and we'll do that and be back with some final words after this. going to take care of the show, Mr. Tate. What are you doing the rest of the day? You're going to go out and play you some know, golf? I'm not going to play golf. It's just too hot. Okay. I'm going to play golf tomorrow morning at 8.30. Gotcha. <laughs> Thanks to our guests on the show today, Cassie Arner, Associate Athletic Director, let us off, talking about football and basketball full capacity, volleyball too, of course, all Illinois sports at full capacity now. Thanks to Kedrick Prince for talking basketball recruiting with us, to Kyle Duvall, the head coach of St. Joe Ogden, Scott Docterman from The Athletic, Will Leach, national author and columnist, and Doug Bouchon. We appreciate your time on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.